I've been doing ministry now for uh, over 25 years, but I've been alive a little longer than that, which means I have been to and conducted a lot of funerals, way more than I would like to have. And there's something that we often hear when we go to funeral services about the dearly departed, or you kind of hope you hear it. And that expression is that he was a good man or, or she was a good woman. And we know what they mean when they're, we're talking about that. It means they, there were people who had uh, a, a good character, people who um, were honest, that you could trust. And in that sense, we go, you know, that was a good person. Seriously, when you compare them to the rest of the world, they really shined. And, and that's a beautiful thing. And so this morning, as we, as we think about that, I also need to add that I have a conviction that comes from Scripture that a person's relative goodness will not qualify him or her for heaven. Now, you might call someone a good man or you might call someone a good woman, but that in and of itself, comparing them to other people, their, their goodness, recognizing that is not going to guarantee heaven for anyone. So let's think about that a little bit this morning. If you were happen to be counting on being good enough in order to stay out of hell and to get into heaven, then here's the question you need to wrestle with. Just how good do I have to be? How good is good enough for me to be right with God? What's the criteria? What are the standards? How good do I have to be? Do I, if, you know, if, if you put all my, my good things on one side of a scale and you put all my bad things on the other side of the scale, as long as, you know, it's, it's 51%, you know, my good outweighs my bad just a little bit, a little more good than bad, then is that, is that good enough? Or maybe it's, I don't know what, what the school's like today, but in order to pass a class, I had to have a 70. Some of you had the same thing. 70 was a D, but you passed. Is 70% good enough? If, if my life is 70% good and, and 30% not so good, is the 70% enough? Well, well, maybe God wants an A. You've got to get an A. So it depends on where you are, what school you're in. Your A might be a 90, your A might be a 93. So does 90 or 93%, does that do it? Does that, does that get me into the pearly gates? Well, maybe God's standards are a little higher. Maybe, maybe what he's saying is you've got to be 99% good. In other words, you've got to be almost all good. You know, occasionally you'll mess up, occasionally you'll fall a little far short, but, but 99% and I will let you in. That's the standard for admission. Well, but maybe God's got a different point system. Maybe, maybe he's able to assign certain, a certain number of points to the certain good things you do. And if you kind of reach that threshold, then you're in. Or maybe God has a secret formula. You know, Coca-Cola has a secret formula, right? And they keep it locked up in a vault. Maybe in heaven, God has a vault with his secret formula for getting into heaven. And he is able to calculate the measures of good works you do and, and calculate the bad works. And there's some scale upon which if you fall in the right zone, then you're going to get in to heaven. Or maybe, as I saw one cartoon uh, depict this, maybe God grades on a curve. 
And, and maybe the more people that are out there doing really bad things, the better you look. And therefore, all you have to do is to get on the correct side of the curve and you're in. Now, when you start wrestling with that, some of it sounds almost silly. But as we wrestle with how good is good enough, we also need to ask ourselves, what is good? How do we define good? And, and we live in a culture, to be quite honest, that's having a difficult time defining what good is. Let me, let me give you kind of a, a simple example. Let's say that, uh, well, let's say that I'm walking along a sidewalk and I see over here a, a bottle someone's thrown out of a car, water bottle, a water bottle. They finished with it. They just tossed it out the window and I pick that water bottle up, removing the litter. You say, well, that's, that's a good thing. Well, well, let's, let's look at it differently. If, if I were in my car driving down the road and I just finished a bottle of water and I roll down the window and I throw that out, you would go, well, that, that's a bad thing to do. Well, let's, let's say I didn't throw it out. Let's say I got ready to throw it out, but I said, oh, that's, that's really, that's littering. I don't want to do that. Was that good or bad? Well, it, it was good and I didn't throw it out, but it was kind of bad because I actually thought about it. So let's say instead I took the water bottle home and I went in the house and I took the water bottle and I put it in the trash. You said, well, that's good. But not everybody would say that's good. Because some people will say, hey, listen, you missed the recycling bin. You should have put those in a bag and taken them to the recycling center. So it, it was good, but it wasn't really good. And as a matter of fact, what were you doing with that water bottle in the first place? Don't you know that's bad for the environment? So the fact that you had the water bottle was a bad thing. Now, this is the way our culture looks at good and bad. Do you remember? Some of you are old enough to remember that in the old westerns, the good guy always wore a white hat. You could identify the good guy. Now, when you watch movies, you don't know. The, the, even the good guys, the, the guys that you're pulling for, the women that you're pulling for, even their character is so mixed and, and, and they're all kind of shades of goodness and shades of badness. It's, an all, it's all mixed up. And, and you go, if I'm counting on being good enough to get into heaven, if, if that's what I'm trying to do here, how good do I have to be? And what is good anyway? In this world in which I live in, is there no objective standard? Is there, is there nothing I could go to and help me to understand just how good I have to be? Well, if you're planning on being good enough to get into heaven, these are issues you have to wrestle with. These are the challenges you have in front of you. And let's say you come up with a standard. Let's say, hey, 80%, 85%. Okay, say you come up with that standard. Let's suppose you fall one good deed short. Does God just say, oh, well, we'll drop the lowest grade? Or is it a hard and fast line? Wouldn't it be easier if God just said, hey, listen, here's my standard? If God just told us, here's my standard for you to be right with me, wouldn't that make life so much easier? Well, there's good news. God has shared his standard with us. And I want to share it with you right now. And here is God's standard in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. There's God's standard. Now, I said it was good news, but then we look at it and go, oops. If that's the good news, then I've got some bad news inside because I also understand that God has said in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and I am part of all. 
I'm in that group. I'm in that mix. I am one of those who has sinned. And therefore, perfection is no longer attainable for me. Or in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, there is no one righteous, not even one. If God's standard is perfection, and it is, then it seems pretty hopeless for us. As a species tainted with sin, it seems pretty helpless. And that would be true if it were not for the amazing grace of God. Over the past few weeks, as you know, if you've been here, we have been delving into the grace of God. We've been looking at it from various angles and trying to probe its depths. And you may be thinking, gosh, I know the song Amazing Grace. I even know the updated version with my chains are gone attached to it. What more do I need to know about grace? And I want to tell you, I didn't, I didn't share this series with you because I thought you were ignorant about grace. I shared this series with you for one reason and one reason only. Because the more that you and I understand about the grace of God, the more we will love God and the more we will share his grace with others. The more we know about God's love for us, by God's sacrifice for us, God's grace in our lives, the more we know about that, the more we will love God. And the more we're going to want to share that grace with other people. One of the reasons that the evangelism efforts in the local church are so anemic is because we don't spend time meditating on the amazing grace of God. That I was a sinner. I was lost. I was dead in my sin. And God, I, didn't, I didn't fix that. God came. God fixed it. God intervened. God did something by sending his son Jesus to die for me on a cross. And I didn't deserve that. I didn't earn that. But God did it anyway. Oh, you need to get off and go somewhere if you have to lock yourself in a closet to meditate on the amazing grace of God. Because when you do then you will fall more and more in love of God, with a God who loved you so much that he gave his own son for you. Listen, I, I love y'all. But if, it were, if I were given the choice between my son and you, you're in a lot of trouble. I mean, it's my dog. I love my dog, but I'd, I'd probably sacrifice my dog for you. But I... When it comes to Jay or when it comes to Jackie, that ain't happening. That's not going to be my choice, but that was God's choice. Oh, and if you could just get off somewhere where you could just consider the amazing grace of God, you'd fall more and more and more in love with a God who loves you so very, very much. And so this morning, I'd like us to look in Ephesians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles... You can, you can check there, Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at just a few verses this morning and kind of delve into those, but I've saved these verses till last because they're so powerful, so rich, so meaningful. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 4 through 9, and I want you to hear what God has to say to us this morning about His amazing grace. 
but because of his great love for us. Listen to that. Because of his great love for us. You want to know what the motivation behind this is? There's no selfishness here. There, there, it's love. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. He's not stingy with his forgiveness. He's rich in mercy. Made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. Listen, a dead person can't do anything to help themselves. Those who think they're going to gain God's approval by their works, by their actions, that they're going to be accepted by God because of that, they need to go back and recognize a corpse can't please anybody. And so when we were dead in our transgressions and our sins, God made us alive in Christ Jesus. It is by grace. It is by grace. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated. Does this not blow your mind? And seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Listen, you go, well, that hadn't happened yet. Yes, it has. Because God's already said it's happened. God's already said it. It's as good as done. He has not only saved us, but he has, he's given us a, we've got a place reserved to be seated with Jesus. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. The fact that you and I are sitting with Jesus at the banquet table in the sweet by and by. The fact that that is going to happen will never, ever, ever show how good and adorable we were. But will always show how awesome God's incomparable grace is. That's the only reason I'm there. That's it. It's the only reason you'll be there. It's because God was gracious to you. And it goes on. Okay. I'll get, you get kind of excited when you're reading this stuff. It's really good. That was expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, believing. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And it's not by works. So that no one can boast. Spend a little time reading these verses and ask yourself, is there anything in here that says I can in any way be good enough to be made right with God? And the answer is no. As a matter of fact, here's my challenge. Why don't you open the pages of your Bible and begin to read and find out if there's anything in there that tells you that you can be good enough or religious enough or righteous enough on your own to be accepted by God. And what you're going to come up with is the same answer I've come up with. No. It can't happen. I can't do it. There's no possible way on the face of the earth. No matter how good I am, no matter how good you are, it is absolutely impossible. When you read through the Bible, here's what you'll discover. That man is fallen. We are sin-stained. And that it was God who acted on our behalf to bring salvation to us. 
So the only thing that you and I add to our salvation, the only thing we add to our salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. Think about it. When you come, what else do you have? You're covered in it. That's the only, just as I am. That's it. That's how I come. And yet God still receives me. Not because he goes, oh, well, underneath all that, you know, there's a diamond in the rough. No. You are staying through and through and through with sin. You are a corpse spiritually. And yet God loves you. The only thing that you add to your salvation, the only thing you've got to bring is your sin. And yet God takes that and he makes us brand new. What we read this morning, it is by grace, grace, grace that you have been saved through faith. And by grace means God has done it all. That's it. God's God's done it all. He gives us salvation, not because we deserve it, and certainly not because we've earned it, but because of, we just read it, because of his abundant love for us. That's why we receive what God has for us. There's no way we can work for it. We receive it. What did, what did he say? It is the gift of God. Doesn't that just blow your mind? It is the gift of God. In Hebrews chapter 10, we read that we have been made holy. Made holy. That means that that's passive. We didn't do it. And it's past tense. It was done already. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once for all. For by one sacrifice, he has made, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. What was the standard God has for us to get into his presence? What was it? Perfection. Okay. What did this verse just tell us? Verse 14 here in Hebrews 10. What did it just tell us? We have been made perfect. We didn't do that. We didn't somehow figure it out. God has done this. He has made us perfect. He has made us acceptable in his sight. He has made us alive. He has made us clean. He has made us new. God has done this. Now, obviously, you'll notice he's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. There's still a process that goes on of sanctification in your life. But as far as you're standing before God in Christ, he already sees you as holy and perfect in his sight. Now, that may not be what you see when you look in the mirror. That may not be what your spouse sees when they see you first thing in the morning. But when God looks at you through Jesus, this is the reality. You have been made perfect. What you couldn't do, God did for you. Being right with God has nothing to do with anything you have done it has everything to do with God's gift to you by giving his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross to pay the price for your sins. And if you had all the accumulated wealth of the universe, you couldn't buy it. Why? Because it's a gift. We understand gifts, don't we? 
Now, I, I know that because we're humans and because we are sinful and fallen and we got all that stuff going on in our lives that a lot of times gifts are given with strings attached. <laughs> I'll give you this, but I expect something in return. That's not God's way of giving. God's gift is a free gift, full and free salvation in Jesus Christ to all who will receive this gift. And because of that, we're told in these verses that there's no room for bragging. I hope that you don't think that you're going to get up before God and you're going to say, God's going to say, okay, why should you come in? And you're going to say, well, let me begin by listing the things God I've done for you. Let, let me tell you how much money I've put in the offering plate and given to charities all around the world. Let me tell you how many mission trips that I've been on. Let me tell you how many construction projects I have worked. Let me tell you all these things, God, that I've done for you. And you stick your fingers in your suspenders and go, okay, now God, let me in. I got to tell you, that ain't cutting it. My only plea, my only plea when I stand before God, is the amazing grace that he's shown me in Jesus Christ. That's all I got. And that's all any of us have gotten. That's it. Anything else, we fall short of perfection. We shall fall short of him. And we will not be in his presence forever. But no matter who you are and no matter what you've done, no matter what you think of yourself or what other people think of you. You need to understand this. You are not too bad. You are not too dirty. You are not too stained. And you are not too far gone for the grace of God to reach you, to embrace you, and to save you. I don't know what other people are saying about you. I don't, know, I don't know all the things that you've brought in here with you today, all the guilt, all the remorse. But I do know this, God's grace is greater. God's grace is greater than all your sin, no matter how much sin it is. Can you imagine having to, having to fix this for yourself somehow, that I, on my own, have to figure out a way to go back and erase all my sin. I have to figure out a way to go back and fix it all. Okay, that in the, that's impossible. Let me tell you, even if you had a time machine and you could go back and try to redo it, you're still going to blow it. But let's say, let's just say somehow you figured out a way to erase all your past sin. Then you'd also have to figure out a way how to have the self-will to keep from sinning moving forward. It's science fiction. It's not happening. Our only plea is the amazing grace of God in Jesus Christ. And, and God's not going to force you to take that. It's a gift. He extends it to you. God has opened wide the gates of heaven. And he stands with hands extended, calling you to come. This is God's desire for all fallen sinful humanity and God's desire for you this morning if you are there. God's desire is that he doesn't want anyone to perish, 
but for everyone to come to repentance, for everyone to turn from their old life and to turn to him. God's word makes it clear for the wages of sin. What you earn for your sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let this one sink in. What you're going to earn for your sin, your wages, your, your paycheck for your sin is death. Separation from God forever in hell. That, that, that's what you earn. And that, to be honest, if you're trying to earn it, that's the only thing you can earn. But God's gift the gift he extends to you this morning is eternal life, not death, life. And it comes only through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It sounds like a silly question. Which do I want more? That which I've earned or that which God wants to give to me? But God will never drag drag you kicking and screaming into his kingdom. You must come. He invites you, but you must come. He extends his gift to you, but you must receive it by faith, believing that Jesus has done for you everything necessary for your salvation. You've got nothing else you need to do. You simply need to receive what God has for for you. We're saved by grace through faith. And this is not of ourselves. We didn't do it. It is the gift of God. And this morning you need to know God holds this gift out for you. His desire is that you would receive it and become his. And that's what all of us in his family want to. Is this your day? Is this your moment to say, I've tried to be good enough and I've failed. I've tried to be right with God on my own and I've failed. I've tried to be religious enough and I've failed. But today, I've heard the call of God. I'm ready to receive the gift of his son by grace through faith. Let's pray. Lord God, the truth of your word is a powerful thing. It is not my words that have power, but yours. And I pray, Lord, that you now would speak with an unmistakable voice to each person who's struggling with this decision, who doesn't know, who, has, who really could not say with any, with any certainty that they are yours, that they are forgiven, that they belong to you now and forever. 
Lord, I pray for them that somehow this day your grace might break through and your call in their lives would be so overwhelming, your drawing on their lives would be so compelling that they could not sit in their seats, that they would, they would rush forward to receive what you have for them, God, so that we might celebrate with them as they go from death to life, from being blind to having spiritual sight, Lord, I know that there are many things that keep us fixed to our spots. What will people think? What if it's not, I'm not the person that that God thinks. Maybe, Maybe I'm too bad. Maybe I've done too much. But Lord, if you would call them and soften their hearts, And draw them to yourself. And Lord, let nothing keep them from coming. Lord, if there are those who need a church home, a place to belong, a place to connect, a place to grow, a place to serve. Lord, if this is the place you're calling them to be, then draw them. You draw them. If there are those, Lord, who simply need to come and to kneel before you and said, hey, I, I'm saved. I know I'm saved by grace, but I've been living by my works. I've been trying to earn God's pat on the head by doing things for him. And I want to begin to walk in grace and not walk in works. Lord, whatever it is that you call us to do right now, I pray that neither Satan nor our own uh, egos get in the way. Have your way with us, Lord. You who are our rock of ages, call us and we will come. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.